Our sermon today is in here somewhere. Contemplative praying, Luke 11, verses 1 through 4. If you please rise, of honor of God's Word, now that you all, almost all of you have gotten sat down. Luke 11, verses 1 through 4, found on page 1,105 in your Black Pew Bible and 1,256 in the Adventure Bible. <laughs> I have my hymnal. Uh, Pastor Joe is not paying attention. Luke 11, verses 1 through 4, and I'm sure that you all know at least part of these words. They read in Jesus' name. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Let us pray. Father, as we study this, as we meditate upon your word, as we apply it, I pray that you would be at work in us, changing us, Lord, that we might become more like Christ. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I, I entitled today's prayer, Contemplative Praying, uh, today's sermon, Contemplative Praying, not because there, I wanted to apply it. I wanted to have a sermon that focused on application as opposed to a sermon that simply focused on explanation. And, well, there's, there's various reasons why, but as we, all of us, well, not, maybe not all of us even, as we go through the Lord's Prayer, how many of you have ever gone through the Lord's Prayer not thinking about it at all? I've done it. Wonder where we are in it. As, as pastor leading the Lord's Prayer, I've skipped stuff. Praying the Lord's Prayer. Which tells you that my mind is not on what I'm praying, but my mind is on trying to lead the congregation. And, and, and so it's dangerous. And so how, how do we do this? How do we interact with contemplative prayers, uh, with contemplative praying? How do we interact with written prayers? Now, I know that um, some people grew up with written prayers. Any of you go to a church where they had written prayers every Sunday? Um, they were all, well, they were all recited. Is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. But as we... As we interact with them, we have to interact with them in the terms of the words themselves. Now, the words, the purpose of written prayers. So there's, okay, so there's two different types of prayers. There's extemporaneous prayers and there's written prayers. Extemporaneous prayers are prayers that we just pray. And so if, if I haven't memorized this prayer and I'm just praying it, that's called extemporaneous. I'm just praying it. And, you know, that's off the cuff is another way to say that. But when we're dealing with written prayers, the purpose of written prayers is to guide our minds, is to guide our hearts, is to guide our thoughts. And those words then act as boundaries to us. Because as we pray these prayers, as we say these words, they direct our minds. And so when we're praying the Lord's Prayer, and we start out by saying, Our Father, or Father, it directs our minds 
in the way that we think about God. Because now we're called to be thinking about God in terms of Father. So we're approaching God as Father. Now if I use the phrase Jesus, now I'm thinking about God in terms of who Jesus is. And it guides the way that I think about God. Lord, friend, brother. All of those are legitimate descriptions for God, aren't they? Brother, because we are called brothers. We're brothers of Christ. He is not ashamed to call us brethren. And so as I approach Jesus, as I approach God, as I approach the Holy Spirit, the words that I use are going to be directing the thoughts that I have. And so written prayers direct our thoughts in specific ways. And so one of the benefits of written prayers is that sometimes they direct our thoughts in ways that are not natural for us. Because as I interact with God, I interact with him as God. The one who created everything, the one who is ultimately in control, the one that I can trust to be powerful over this world. As I think about God, that's how I think about the word God. When I think about Lord, I think about him being the one that I submit to. Because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I struggle with submitting. And so then I use the word Lord. We actually tease my my grandmother-in-law about that because she refuses to call Charles, her husband, Lord. And so we pick on her about that. But when I say Lord, I say Lord intentionally because I'm trying to remember where is my place in this whole relationship. I talk to the Holy Spirit because he's the one that's actively working right now. His hands are here, are moving. And so as we pray, the written prayers guide our minds and they, they focus us into a set of boundaries. Because that's what words do. Unlike what the postmodern theorists say, words can't mean whatever I want them to mean. Because I can use the word purple to describe cold, but nobody would know what I'm talking about. And so words derive their meaning from the context in which they're used, but this is what words do. They create boundaries. And so when I'm talking about purple, you know I'm not talking about numbers. Right? How many is purple? Good luck with that. I would be using that outside of its bounds. And that's where postmodernism is wrong. <laughs> but that's the intellectual aspect of our mind. It, these things have to be drawn in. They have to be bounded. And so as we're praying written prayers, we are saying these prayers in a bounded manner. It directs our minds in this way. And sometimes we need that. That's one of the reasons why I like praying the Psalms. I like reading through the Psalms. That's one of the reasons why we close every worship service with the Lord's Prayer. To direct us, how do we, excuse me, how do we think about God and how do we think about the world? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Psalm 24.1. That directs the way that I think about the world. Well, what if I'm struggling? Well, the earth is the Lord's. What if I'm afraid? Well, the earth is the Lord's. Well, what about this person? And those who dwell therein. Oh, they're the Lord's. And it directs my mind, directs the way that I think about these situations and these things that I'm interacting with. But the words themselves are not an end. Because we can easily say the words without any meaning. And so then we have to put that meaning into them. We have to mean them. Now, they don't gain meaning from our sincerity, but they have meaning towards us as we allow our emotions to enter into them. And so as we say the word Father, 
we have an emotional tie to that word. As we say the word earth or fullness or um, forgiveness, we have emotional ties to that word. And so as we're reciting these prayers, we have to recite them intentionally so that, that they gain that meaning, so that our emotions actually have time and have the ability to fill these prayers. Because otherwise a written prayer ends up becoming simply a mindlessly done, we say mindless, but a meaningless thing. Because my mouth's moving, but my brain's not engaged. Have you guys ever experienced that? You are right now. No, I'm, no. Okay, good, you're with me. <laughs> Seeing the gra- glazed looks, it's always terrifying. But as we allow our emotions into what we're saying, pa- there, I know of pastors who do not allow their emotions into what they're saying because they want everything to be precise. And if I allow my emotions into that, I might be you know, corrupting the way that the Holy Spirit wants to work in people. It's like, no, that gives meaning. Our emotions give meaning to things. And so if I'm not allowing my emotions to enter into the words that I'm saying, if I said to Kirsten, Kirsten, I love you, and that's it. Instead of saying, Kirsten, I love you. Is there a difference? Of course. Because the emotions that are tied to that give meaning to the things that are said. Yeah, I forgive you. Hmm. My words just gain a totally different meaning. Man, have you ever gotten this? That's fine. (laughs) Danger, Will Robinson, danger. (laughs) The emotions give meaning to the words. So the words are one thing. The emotions give meaning to the words. And so as we're praying these prayers... We are called to allow our emotions into these prayers. This is the way the English language works, and so this is what we're using. This is the way that every language works. But they don't end there. It doesn't end with meaning. It doesn't end with emotions. It also directs our desires. Because what your eyes are on, what you are looking at, will affect your desires. How you look at this world changes you. What you look at changes you. And so the purpose of written prayers, one of the benefits of written prayers is it gets our mind off of our natural, normal, standard desires. And it puts them, at least a decent one, puts them on Christ. And so it gets my mind and it gets my emotions both looking at Jesus, looking at my Lord, looking at my friend, looking at my provider. It gets me looking at Christ. It gets me looking at my Father, my Protector, my Creator, my Redeemer. It gets me looking at God. And as my eyes draw towards God, that actually will have an effect on my desires. And so have you ever been struggling with a desire? Like, for some reason I want that, even though I know my mind tells me that that thing's not going to be good for me. You guys ever dealt with that? I've dealt with that. Maybe I'm just weird, but Hopefully you guys, your desires are all in line with what your mind says is good, right? But how do we change our desires? It's by changing what we look at. I'll use an illustration. We are very careful with the television that we watch with my children. Do you know why? Because they will see the most ridiculous advertisement on that television. And then they're going to come back with a phrase that says, I want that. I want, you've never had that candy. 
I want that. You wouldn't like that. I want that. What happened? That advertisement drew their eyes, and as their eyes were drawn to that product, their desire followed along. And so it was presented in such a way, this will make you happy, this will do that, whatever. Your desire will be drawn along. And so written prayers are actually meant to even change our desires because they draw our minds. Usually when we pray extemporaneously, have you ever been praying and struggled to find the words? Do you know what you're doing? You are describing to God the emotional, your emotions and your desires to him. So your mind is coming to support your emotions and your desires. God, I'm feeling this way, but I don't know exactly how to say it. So your mind is trying to search for the words. God, I want this, but I don't know exactly what it is. Your mind is trying to search for the words to describe your emotions so you can describe them to God. Written prayers do the exact opposite. They actually seek to lead our emotions and they seek to lead our desires. So that's the benefit of written prayers. Are written prayers an end? No. They're meant to teach us to pray. They're meant to guide our prayers. They're not meant to just be the thing that we say. Because what happens? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right? And whoever can get done fastest is best. Amen. (laughs) Not done yet. He said amen. Aren't we done? So, the Lord's Prayer. So as we practice this as this as we practice praying you guys practice praying right i would encourage you to start practicing written prayers too try it you're like well i don't really like the puritans or i don't really like what luther had to write fine use david go to psalms there's prayers all over in scripture you can even pray scripture lindy's reading a book that says something about that you showed it to us the deacons. What's that called? Praying through your Bible? So there's books about that. Praying through the Bible. How do I take a Bible verse and use that in prayer? And that guides our prayers. That's the purpose of these things. So as we're interacting with them, as we're praying the Lord's Prayer, and as we're trying to pray it in a contemplative manner, do you know what the word contemplative means? It means thought-filled. But not just thought-filled. It means that it's Spending time with this, allowing it to affect me and engaging with it. That's really the idea of contemplative praying. I'm going to pray this contemplatively. I'm going to pray it slowly. I'm going to pray it with thought, with feeling, allowing my desires to enter into it. I'm going to pray it so that it affects me and that I affect it. So have you guys ever seen someone pray the rosary? Some of you have, some of you haven't. Um, I... I spent some time practicing um, the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so I spent time practicing that, you know, to see, because I hear people talk about these contemplative prayers, and I thought, all right, if there's something to this, I wonder what this is like. So then I started doing that, and I realized that if I wasn't paying attention to it, then I was just ticking off how many times I did it. I did it 50 times. I did it 100 times. Okay, finally, I'm done. And I watched myself say, finally, I'm done. I was like, I've just done this wrong. So as we're praying, we enter into it and we think about the phrases that we're saying. Lord Jesus Christ, or our Father who art in heaven. We'll just use the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. We think about that. We stop at the phrases because the whole Lord's Prayer, there's a lot of stuff in that. I 
I am not capable to keep that living and active in my mind the whole thing at the same time. There's just too many things going on. And so then I have to go through it phrase by phrase by phrase. Our Father who art in heaven. And, you know, Luke says, Father, hallowed be thy name. And so as we're interacting with this, we interact with the phrase. And then we allow our emotions into that. Because as we say, Father, what do you think? What comes to mind? What comes into your heart? You know, are you thinking about God as Father? Sometimes that is good. Sometimes that is bad. So you allow your emotions to engage with that phrase that you just said. And then you allow your desires to come behind that. Because as you're saying, my Father, or Father, what, what comes up? I want him to be pleased. I want him to be happy with me. I want to honor him. I want his kingdom to come. I want him. And then allow your emotions. And I say allow because they are active. Your emotions and your desires are active. This is the way that we work as human beings. I hope this isn't um, new to you. You guys interact with your emotions all the time, don't you? Or you try to ignore them, maybe, but you're still interacting with them. So as you're interacting with these things, they are acting upon you. So allow them into this area instead of allowing them into another area. I'm going to direct them. And how do we do that? It's by focusing on something. As we focus on something, our emotions will start to interact with those things and our desires will start to interact with those things that we are focusing on. So who does, what does the focusing? Well, that's the words, that's the phrase, that's our intellect. Does that make sense? Have you guys ever interacted with a prayer like that? No, not really? Okay. So, we're going to do something fun. We're going to practice. How about that? I haven't made you guys do this for quite a while now. And I don't apologize. But, um, so, what's the first petition, or what's the introduction to the Lord's Prayer? Confirmance. What's the introduction to the Lord's Prayer? Not what does it mean. What is it? Our Father who art in heaven. Right? The first petition is hallowed be thy name. We're not going to focus on the first petition. Well, we, yeah, we'll just focus on the introduction. So close your eyes and in your mind, pray, Our Father who art in heaven. And with your mind, think about those words. What does Christ mean by saying, our, our Father. So we work through the prayer, thinking about the words, our Father. Do you know what that teaches you? We are all united under the Father. That is one of the things. So as we interact with our Father, we are praying this prayer as a united group. Our Father. Now, you might not always feel like you're united to the congregation, but if you are in Christ, God is your Father, just like he is the Father of the one that's next to you that's in Christ. Our Father. How, does that, how do your emotions respond to that? You know, acknowledge them. That gives me a sense of peace, knowing that God is my Father and God is your Father. Our Father. 
But he's also Father. Not just our Father. He is Father. So then, that means he's protector. He is guide. You know, all of those good things, all of those godly things that fathers represent. Now, it's possible that as you're interacting with that, you might not be interacting with it in a positive manner. Anger comes up, frustration, bitterness. Dad was never there for me. He expected too much out of me. Well, then what do you say? There, Dad, my father, my earthly father, deviated from my heavenly father, and that was sin. And so we forgive him. We forgive. We confess his sin. That doesn't save him, but it saves us from his sin. So if my earthly father was belligerent, Lord, forgive him, that was sin. My earthly father was cruel. Lord, forgive him, that was sin. My earthly father did a great job providing. Father, thank you. As my father, you are the one who's given to that, through that. And so then we interact with these words. We interact with these phrases, our Father who art in heaven. And then we allow our desires into that. You know, I want to be that sort of father. I want that sort of father for my children. I want, I want God to be glorified. Because this is what contemplative prayer is. It isn't just r- reciting it off. It's closing your eyes and allowing yourself to enter into it. Allowing your mind to direct it allowing yourself to interact with all of the emotions that are tied with that word. Because as we do that, we actually start to deal with those emotional ties. Because those emotional ties need to be dealt with too. Some of them are legitimate and some of them are illegitimate. Some of them need to be confessed and forgiven. Some of them need to be uh, repented of ourselves. Oh, I've been doing that too. And so as we pray in these prayers, we pray them contemplatively, contemplatively. Huh, not contemplative. Contemplatively. We interact with them. And that's the purpose of written prayers. That's why Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer. Because if you guys notice, you can open your eyes now. If you notice, we don't pray the Lord's Prayer every time we pray. You know our prayer time? How many of you said the Lord's Prayer? None of you. Right? So then, how does this change the way that we pray? As we pray it in a contemplative manner, thinking about it, allowing ourselves to enter into it, allowing it to change us, using it as a framework to change the way that we pray, and then as we interact with that framework, we'll realize, oh, I deviate here. I'm not quite right there. I'm actually on here. Praise God. Because once we have a framework... Once we have a pattern, we can then correct the deviations and we can praise God for where we're lining up with those patterns. So as you guys are interacting with your prayer life, I would encourage you to add contemplative praying into your devotional time. And it takes time. But you know what? Any good relationship takes time. And any skill takes time. Right? And so if we're going to grow in our prayer lives, if we're going to grow in our relationship with God, we need to be taking time with God. 
this is one of the ways, this is one of the things that we do as we take that time with God. Because how many of you think that you have reached a pinnacle, the pinnacle of prayer? Anybody here? How many of you think you have reached the pinnacle of the way your emotions interact with the world? Your desires, how about that? Your thoughts? You guys aren't at a top yet? That means you can grow? How do we grow? This is an exercise by which we grow. How does it relate to work? Well, it's, so to, to quote Julie again from Sunday school, it's intentionality. Am I engaging in this or I, am I just expecting this to change me? Boy, that was really fulfilling. That was really satisfying. Well, what does that mean? No, th- this is the effect that it had on me. question is, what did you put in? Because the more that you put into something, the more that it has the ability to affect you. If you just, you know, say hi to someone on the street, are they going to have a big impact on your day? No. But if you spend five hours with them, they're going to have a much larger impact on your day. And so the amount of intentionality that you put into that relationship, the greater impact it's going to have on you. The more you invest in it, the more it can invest back into you. That's the way that the world works. And, you know, that shouldn't be a question. If I put $100 into Bitcoin and it goes up or goes down, I don't really care that much. If I got $10 in it, I don't really care that much. But if I got all my money into it, now I care. Which might be $100, but, you know, whatever. Now I care. And so the more I invest into something, the more I care about it. And so as I invest this time, as I invest my thoughts into God, as, as we interact with worship, what are we doing as we're worshiping? We're interacting with God. Am I just mindlessly singing these hymns or this praise music or just mindlessly, um, heartlessly saying the, reciting these confessions? Am I just heartlessly doing that? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And he's rounded on the first corner. No. We engage our hearts. We engage our desires. Do you want to have a deeper relationship with God? You know, that's the question here. Then you have to allow all of yourself into your relationship with God and into every interaction with God. All right, so worship. That's how this interacts with worship. Any other questions? I encourage you, practice this. It becomes more meaningful because it is so easy for me to get distracted, to just go through the motions. But when I stop and pray in a contemplative manner, and I can even interact with a verse in that manner. Like Janet's writing and as you're writing out scripture instead of just reading scripture, does it have a bigger impact on you? Yeah, it has a bigger impact on her. So one of the things that I've been doing is I've been just taking a verse. Now I don't write it because I, my handwriting's atrocious. Maybe that would actually benefit it. But I don't just, I don't write. I just meditate my way through it. Look at the words. Look at the phrases. Look at what they mean. Ask God to guide me. Do I want these things? Allow my desires to enter into them because as my mind focuses on something, my desires will follow behind. Sound good? Easy peasy, right? 
So now as we're coming to communion, let us interact with communion in an intentional, intentional, contemplative manner as well. Let us pray. Father, thank you. I thank you for giving us a prayer. Not to just say the words, but rather to interact with it so that it will change us. I pray that you would grant us diligence. Lord, that we might learn to love your word, to love you, to desire you. Lord, bless us and guide us now as we practice these things. In Jesus' name, amen.